Welcome to the Biz Dad Podcast, where we dive into the melding of fathership and entrepreneurship with your host, the original Biz Dad himself, Adam Labar. Adam is a Christian, a former Air Force officer, a dad to three amazing kids, a coach, a real estate investor, and a business owner. On this podcast, he'll explore the unique journeys of amazing dads who are striving for greatness in both business and family. So whether you're a dad who is an aspiring entrepreneur, a seasoned business owner, or simply a man striving to be a better dad, get ready as the Biz Dad brings you conversations to inspire, challenge, and equip you to be a better dad and entrepreneur. And now, here's Adam. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to the Biz Dad Podcast. I am uh, very excited to have Nate Fisher on the call today. Um, he is a fellow real estate guy, which I'm sure we'll get into as the uh, the market uh, is is lovely for all of us in the real estate world. Um, a father of three children, um, but I'll let him kind of go into detail on that. But uh, um, yeah, lo- really looking forward to the conversation today, kind of going in depth about uh, working with family in business as well as uh, um, you know, raising kids in business and seeing how that all kind of works out. But uh, Nate, if you can go ahead and introduce yourself, your family, and tell us a bit about your business. Yeah, so uh, Nate Fisher, and uh, I'm married. Been married for 20 years in 2024. Got three children. Uh, got an eight, uh, 17 year old, a 14 year old, and a 12 year old. Blake, Lily, and Marshall. Been married to my wife Kate uh, again for 20 years. Our 20th anniversary is coming up here. I, uh, I live in central Ohio, and or we're based out of central Ohio. My company is Peak 10 Group. We um, are multifamily owner operators, investors, a developer. And uh, so I'm the founder and owner there. We're pretty small, um, and we invest in a lot of other people's deals. So grew up here in, in central Ohio. And, and I like to say, not like to say, I did. I grew up in a multifamily family. Okay, so what does that mean? That means that my mom and dad, when I was a little kid, I was, I was born with one foot in the 60s, so I'm 54. Um, and I grew up doing kind of what many of us are doing today, right? My folks were doing the Burr method when I was a little kid. So uh, my, my, my folks came, you know, grew up on a farm and they came to, to Columbus, to the big city to go to Ohio State. And they actually lived in a trailer park when they bought their first double. And so, mm-hmm. you know, they... they uh, I grew, I grew up around all this stuff and we were true owner operators. And so they were buying and living in stuff and living in apartments and fixing them up. And so my childhood was spent, um, around flips, if you will, and, and really long-term holds. So some of the stuff, uh, the, one of the first doubles I actually still own today and, and just sold it to my kids or actually just sold it to my kids. Uh, we call that double the training wheels. And so, you know, mm-hmm. when I was four and five, I remember r- riding around doing work orders. And when I was seven and eight, I was on the lawn crew. And when I was 15, I was doing roofs, right? Uh, nice. I went to went to Ohio State knowing I always wanted to be in real estate. I just didn't know where I fit. And so I actually got a degree from Ohio State in real estate. And, uh, and then uh, went you know, didn't know if I wanted to work for the family, mm-hmm. but uh, went out and worked for another big company, and uh, and so yeah, I'll, I'll pause there. I know that was a lot. <laughs> okay. I'll, I'll, well, I don't remember hearing that you were an Ohio State grad, so I may have to end the conversation now and just call it a day. Maybe we did talk about that. I don't remember, <laughs> but I may I try to black it out of my head. But man, oh man. So no, I I had an old an old supervisor um, who was obsessed with Ohio State and just everything everything he'd talk about was Ohio State this Ohio State that he'd be playing the music 
Um, it was uh, it was dreadful. It was absolutely horrible, and that was the beginning of my disdain for Ohio State. So yeah, I, I'm sorry about that. There's always a few of those guys that are just complete nuts. I'm not that guy. Man, um, we'll see by the end of this. <laughs> we'll see. I don't know. Let's see if I can drag I'm it not- out of you. <laughs> Well, you know, one of my dad's, one of my dad did take a W2 job for a little while there to fund the real estate world. And he played this dirty trick on my sister and I and actually took a job in Michigan. So I was born mm. in Michigan. Oh my God. Nice. My sister and I. So, you know, I think he did that on purpose, uh, but moved back to central Ohio uh, in the early I 70s. Know, I think you so. I think, I think should have stayed, but that's, you know, that's just me. That's uh, just me. But uh, no, awesome. I uh, 20 years. First off, congratulations on that. That's um, thank you, especially in today's day and age as a, as a massive milestone, like uh, the amount of divorces we see and people that just can't seem to uh, figure out what the word commitment means. But um, yep. but well done on uh, on 20 years. But um, I do want to I want to go in uh, just because I, I, I know there's a lot to dig in on that. Um, but going back to your childhood and kind of what it was like growing up. Uh, with your mom and dad doing doing what they were doing, what you saw, what your what your thought process was behind it, and then um, and then I'll I'll ask some some more in depth questions after that. But let's kind of just rewind and go. Okay, like if you were to look at it from looking at it now, say okay, well, growing up under this under this multifamily family, like what is it? What did that actually look like? What did it feel like? You know, I I, I it was it, it was challenging, but you know, we all worked in the business and we all did our part, and so. It, it, you know, the, it, it was pretty crazy because, you know, back in the day, I remember, you know, my mom, our home phone was on all the signs, right? So the home mm-hmm. phone would ring and it was tenants uh, calling to rent apartments. My mom was the bookkeeper. Uh, my brother was the lawn crew. He's seven years older than me. And, you know, we just sort of did it all. And, and I, I guess what I, I, I really, they real they built an incredible engine. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I learned a ton from my mother and father and my brother too, because my brother worked his whole life in the family business, again, being seven years older. And so they, I feel like I really, the hard work ethic was instilled in me. And that's sort of what I hope to instill in my children is they gave me, you know, I I just, I haven't, I love, I love the work I do. And the work ethic was instilled in me for, 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 from a very young age, you know, we, we sort of did whatever we needed to do. Everybody did a little bit of everything on the properties and you, know, you learn. I was never a strong maintenance guy, right? But I, I know enough from osmosis mm-hmm. uh, to, to, to know when, when there's bad maintenance or good maintenance, right? You just sort of learned what was going on. And so, yeah, I, I, you know, strategies are a little bit different today, but yep. uh, you just sort of learn the basics being around it all the time. What was it like going to school every day, right? Like, were you homeschooled or did you go to a regular school? No, I, 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 uh, I went to a regular public school. Okay. What was that like kind of going to public school and be like, oh yeah, I need a, uh, you know, it's, it's fourth grade. It's time to, time to go home and work. Like, what was that kind of like, <laughs> how, did those, how did those conversations at the playground or at the cafeteria go? What, what was that looking back you, at? You know, I didn't really know any different. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I, I wouldn't say that uh, it was until I was a little bit older when the portfolio started growing that I maybe felt like we we were having some success. You know, we, mm-hmm. we were very modest, you know, the whole time. Um, and the portfolio grew to 1,200 units, you know, which is a good size scattered site portfolio. And for sure, honestly, my parents were always very modest. Um, and maybe that's just being children of Depression era parents. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are. 
And so we, we always lived a, a pretty moderate, you know, modest lifestyle. I didn't feel it wasn't until maybe some other kids were like, oh, that guy's the landlord. They own all those properties, you know, like I didn't really realize yeah. I didn't know any different. I, you know, I just felt like I was being a normal, normal kid. I didn't yeah. know. So do you think that the exposure kind of um, to the the business side of it, you know, because I, I mean, for me, I thought, you know, we were living a normal life too. But I, I if I were in, you know, fifth grade with you and you said you had to go mow some lawns and some properties <laughs> or you had to go do your job, I would be like, you're fifth grade. What do you mean your job, right? What do you mean to get to do? Like, what? I'm so confused, you know? So like, that's where I, I would think, uh, look at back. Yeah. It's like, I look at my son and I'm like, okay, well, if you were going to school right now and you told your, your kids or the kids in your class, what, you know, what daddy does or what you do with daddy, it'd be... I don't know. I don't know what it would look like. I don't, I don't know what that he's homeschooled. So it makes life a little easier. He just yeah. has me to complain to. So, well, I would bring the kids along with me. I'd bring my friends yeah. along. Cause we, you know, we thought it was fun. <laughs> oh, there you go. There you go. <laughs> you know, yeah. you know, we, we'd make it, we'd make an event out of it. You know, there wasn't the distractions that there are today, right? There wasn't Truth. devices. There wasn't, yeah. you know, sports wasn't, isn't what it was, uh, is today then. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I would bring some friends along and we, my dad would pay us a couple bucks to go pick up some trash around the properties work on and you know those kids would come my friends would come to work with me so we we sort of made you know made had a good time at it you know make yeah, a that's, bucks that's and, super and, valid yeah and and you know what's crazy is uh you know a lot of those uh there's a lot of kids like me that came to work for my family so mm-hmm. and 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 more so i think my brother's friends a lot of them worked in our family business that created Sometimes when things, when they didn't show up and stuff, that would create a little bit of a yeah. bad blood for my brother or whatever. And one of his friends would get fired. But I remember a lot of my brother's friends working for my, 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 my dad. Okay. Interesting. So yeah, yeah it was so a you, source of you, jobs for a lot of yeah, people. Yeah. I mean, and you know, um, especially, I mean, it, it, it's one of those when there are no distractions, like you were talking about, like video games are really not really a thing quite yet. Right. I mean, right. Um, they're there, but it's not, you know, uh, the way it is now, especially there's no iPads. There's none, none of that stuff. Like it's okay. Well, I can go home and watch one of the five channels or I can go make a few bucks. Like, I mean, I was always raking lawns or shoveling, uh, dr- shoveling driveways or going off trying to do something. So I would imagine that you would have been the perfect friend for me when I was younger. Like, all right, what? let's go get to work. You know, just because my, my parents were working all the time, I learned to be an entrepreneur er, very early. That's just like ingrained in me. And I think I inherited that from my, my mother and father. They were very entrepreneurial. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, they lived through the interest rates of 1981 and 82, right? That yeah. was, I was 12 and 13. I, I didn't really comprehend what was going on, but they made it through that and they had to grind. Um, and I want to get to a point later about where we are in the market today and what I said to my mom. Uh, a couple. I want to get to that about the market <laughs> today versus what they went through. You know, they went through some of the stuff we're going through today, and so they can relate to some of the challenges of today because they went through mm-hmm. it and they yeah. understand. Um, but you know, I always I had the morning I had the morning paper route on my street. I had the evening paper route on my street. I would always come up with these crazy ideas. Oh, I can get this little widget and buy it and I can resell it. So I always had these little entrepreneurial things that I was trying to do. And I had to nice. get that from my parents. Like, yeah. you know, <laughs> you know yeah, and, and, I, I wish I had that when I was younger, <laughs> I, I would have been great. Um, I was making, you know, I was making t-shirts and selling t-shirts. I was always doing something goofy to try to I make like some it. money, you know, <laughs> what, uh, 
you know, with, with your mom and dad being the ones who are running it, what was it like kind of working for your parents, especially as you got older, I would imagine that got a little bit more difficult. Um, when you're younger, I think it, it just is a little more smooth, or maybe I'm, maybe I'm wrong. So I've not experienced it. So uh, what was it like actually working for your parents? Well, you know, I sort of had a couple different stops. So I worked for them, uh, off and on in, in some summers in high school and a couple summers in college. So, you know, I didn't really work full time in the biz. So I was kind of like this part time, part timer when I was younger. And I didn't go back in- until after the great financial crisis. I didn't go and work full time in the fi- family until like 08. So there's okay. sort of two different, two different sections there. And, and not going to lie, there was some, you know, there was some headbutting. Uh, my mm-hmm. dad's definition of what time to get to work was different than mine when I was younger. And then as I got older, there was sort of, and I, I was running the business, there was strategic uh, headbutting. Uh, mm-hmm. And I, you know, I can go deep on that and just ph- philosophical challenges at different points along, along the way. Um, let's go into some of the headbutting that happened when you were, when you were younger, like let's say the, uh, you know, high school slash college. What, uh, um, Mainly, I'm asking this because you have, you know, high school kids now. Like, what does that look like if you were to compare and contrast um, what what it was like for you working for your father versus what it is that you're trying to potentially set up for your kids um, yeah. in that front? So, what did that? What was that like with the headbutting then? Well, I, I, you know, my my uh, my uh, kids do it today. You know, they they don't. They're just being teenagers, right? They don't mm-hmm. plan far ahead. They don't plan a week in advance. They plan four minutes in advance. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, when I say it's, hey, we've got to leave at, at 240, 2.50, you know, they're, they're like walking out at 2.49.49. And yeah. so, you know, when my dad says, well, we, we start work at 7.30, well, I'd show up at 7.29.29, right? And I thought that was okay. Mm-hmm. But his definition of what time work started was 7.15, get there, hang out, drink coffee, talk with the crew. Yeah. And so there was things, things like that. And. Uh, you know, and I was just held to a little bit of a, a, a higher standard and expected to be, you know, maybe a little smarter than I was, um, okay. and know a little bit more and maybe just held to a, to a little higher standard and had to be, you know, kind of be a leader. And, and then also, you know, the, the employees looked at me uh, a little bit differently and, you know, I'm just a kid. I'm trying to learn just like they mm-hmm. all are, um, you know, and, and, and I'd have ideas and think that I knew what was best when, you know, here's, and I, I it's no different today, you know. My, my yep. kids say, oh, I know whatever, you know, I know this is the way it is. And I'm like, ah, no, I've done it a hundred <laughs> times that way. And so, you know, just little yep. things like that. But essentially, I was just being a teenager. Okay. Yeah. And I think that that would be where I would struggle. I think I mean, I had a hard enough time listening to my parents um, when they weren't my employer, let alone if they were my <laughs> employer. Right. So yeah. it's similar. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at it now, even with my, my son doing homeschool stuff. And I'm like, okay, well, or, or let's go to like coaching golf. It's like, well, I it's such a different relationship being a dad as it is being a coach. And I, I find myself having a hard time kind of balancing the, the act between them on like how, like if I want to coach him through something, there's a different language that I'm going to use a different way. I'm going to speak to him. But yet if I want to be fatherly, there's, you know, like, but I want to be a fatherly coach and man, it's just a tough balance. I couldn't imagine trying to be at this point. Right. Um, I think I have a few years before I really have to worry about it, but being a fatherly boss, right. Because you really can't, I would imagine that would be very difficult around the other employees. Um, yeah, it, 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 you know, the bit, the big thing in, in, in our family that I've sort of found in, in, in the time in between, you know, being, I guess a, a teenager working and then have being a real estate professional working is, you know, I always felt like 
it was always it was it was too much business in our family. Like there wasn't the family family part. And so when you're working for your family all the time, it feels like you're always working. And so the discussions around I guess there's different times like for a part of my adult life, I enjoyed having business conversations all the time because I was really, really into that. And maybe mm-hmm. that was before kids because I was just trying to suck up all the information from my folks. But in reality, as I got older and I started having my kids, I, I craved and, and yearned for more of the family relationship with my father, not always the business. And I think that that, you know, that was always and still is to this day a little bit of a struggle. Like, where does the family business and I'm not in the, I'm, I'm, and we can get to how I'm related to the family business today. Um, it's a little bit different because I got fired in 2018, which we should go into that too, <laughs> uh, from the family business. And so, yeah. you know, as I get older and have my own children and want to, I want the relationship with my father as a father, not as a partner or not as mm-hmm. a, as a business mentor or as a leader or a business guy I look up to. It's funny. That's how that's changed over time. And as I've gotten older and how, how my own relationship with my children and, and to, th- to this day, it's very important to me to, uh, you know, to maintain that father son relationship, n- not the, not the partner with my children, because my children today are partners or investors with me. And so I, I, it's very important to me to, to today to really put the family relationship, the father son, in front of the business part mm-hmm. of my world. Very important to me these days. How, when do you think you came to that, that, that feeling when you, were, when you were kind of yearning more for the father-son relationship with your dad versus the um, partner relationship? When did that kind of come to fruition for you? You know, probably when I was in my, I would say 15 years ago when I was thinking about starting a family and then when my kids were younger, you know, and, mm-hmm. and we're going to grandma and grandpa's. Well, I didn't want to talk about what's happening in the market and how that property is doing and why the occupancy is down when I've got a little baby, right? Yeah. Like, you know, it was okay before when I didn't have a baby um, or a little kid and I wanted him to be grandpa and I wanted mom to be mom. It wasn't so much my, my mom. She was, she, she could pivot on that, that point of, of, of mother and, you know, partner or, mother mentor my father Mm. not not as much so he couldn't he seemed to always struggle to pivot from grandpa to and even to this day struggles with pivoting from real estate guy to grandpa to dad Mm. and i've really focused on trying to to have those boundaries okay because if not if not all you have is a is a is a real estate partnership relationship and that's not healthy and i don't want to i don't want that to be with my children yeah, no kidding. I can totally understand that. Yeah. So it sounds like that was right around the time you were 30. I think you said you're 54, right? So mm-hmm. right around yeah, the time 30, you're 30 35. or so, you start to... Okay. Um, it, it's funny because that was around the age. I think I was around 30 or 30. Yeah, it's 30, 35, somewhere in there when I really started to understand my dad a bit more and kind of uh, started to, you know, analyze myself and my thoughts on, you know, my relationship with my dad. So um, uh, I'd say what what's... What did you start to put in place then, or what you know? What was it that you, um, or how much self reflection have you put into what it was like growing up then that has led to that moment when you were you know thirty thirty five that you're trying to avoid, um, or maybe that's the wrong way of saying it. 
Oh, I'll pause there. What was it that you <laughs> saw when you looked back? Because I can I can ask fifteen questions in a line because I'm very interested in this right now. Um, thirty thirty-five. Have you taken much? Uh, did you start taking much self reflection as far as how that relationship started when you were younger that caused it to get to the point where it is now, or was it more just I just wish it was different now? You know, uh, boy, it, it 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 was tough at times, and and yeah, I. I, I Boy, I don't know. There's a lot there. I there was a lot of a, a lot of pressure, um, a lot of pressure, feeling like I had to be successful, and you know it was challenging times. This is, I guess, you know, this is right around, um, let's call it oh six oh seven. You know, when I was really like trying to build a family, and I'm really mm-hmm. trying to think about my future and learn as much as I can, and thinking about the weight of supporting a family and having three kids it was right in the middle of the great financial crisis and you know there was a lot of pressure and 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 you know the the in in our family it was always it was always everything needs to be equal because you're you have the same last name and and that's not always the case you know in my family i'm i'm just a little you know i'm a middle kid i'm a little bit different i i'm a little more entrepreneurial i'm a little more risk taker and and so we all fit in different components different parts of the family and you know i just felt like i wanted to to lead the family and put this on my back and there was a lot of there was a lot of pressure and there you know there started to be some headbutting in there and and i didn't i didn't like that and and you know i was being underpaid working in the family business in a tough financial time making 12 dollars an hour doing work that was you know probably worth you know 50 dollars an hour and going to deliver pizzas at night and my second kid's on the way and I don't know how to pay for that kid. Like mm-hmm. there was a, a really tough, traumatic time there where I didn't know, you know, I'm going to my mom and dad, I'm asking, hey, uh, I want to have another kid. Can you guys help me out? <laughs> like <laughs> I can't afford this kid, but we want to have a third kid or we want to have a second kid. Like it really just made, there was a lot of inflection there. Like what, what am I doing here? <laughs> wow. Yeah. Um, yeah, I would imagine. So, yeah, especially when you're um, when you're looking at it from that perspective during those those financial times, and like that's that's tough. What have you been trying to do now, talking to your kids? Um, and I think, and I want to clarify: Did you say earlier that your kids are invested and part owners in the in your current family business, or not? So let, let me let me sort of just set the. Uh, I, we didn't let me let me set a okay. stage, if you will, and, and go. So. Today we have, uh, you know, I function in three generations of, of real estate people. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I sort of oversee or not oversee, but feel, feel like my, my, my role to the family here is to help three generations of, of real estate investors get to the next level. And so I have my own company uh, today, which manages 430 um, apartment units, C-class properties in Dayton, Ohio. So I'm an owner operator there. I own the property management company. There's the legacy portfolio, which is my family's business, which is here in central Ohio, which is 900 units of C-class property. So that functions. And my sister is over there running that. My brother ran that. And I I ran that for a while. Then you have this other side, which is the investment side, where we invest in other people's deals. And whether we're joint venturing or we're we're, um, general partners or, or LP investors, uh, and then we have some joint ventures on the development side, and we're all partners in a lot of this stuff together. Mm-hmm. And so you have these multiple levels, and um, 
I sort of take on, I work on the personal financial statements. I work on the corporate taxes. We have about 35 entities that make up this big machine. And so, you know, I sort of, it's gotten bigger than this little family business, right? It's gotten this big. And along the way, we've created partnerships that my dad, my dad put together a partnership, mom and dad, in the year 2000, where it was long-term employees and it was grandkids. And over the years, they've gifted shares of that entity. And that entity now owns three uh, multifamily assets and it's invested in six or seven other deals. So it's this it's this multifaceted thing. And over the years, my, my folks have gifted shares to myself and gifted shares to grandkids and gifted shares to long-term employees. Nice. And so by default, they're my partners. And I'm the managing mm-hmm. member of that, of that entity now, along with my sister. And so along the way, when there's proceeds or distributions from that, I sort of put them over into another bucket with my, my kids and they have their own entity and it invests. So it's invested in multiple entities now. And so by default, the grandkids are partners in a lot of things. And so what I've tried to teach them is, hey, you might not want to go down the path of being in the real estate world as a GP or a syndicator or whatever role you Mm -hmm. want to play, but you are going to be limited partners. And so this is a lot here. Follow me. So you're good. Yeah. Follow your passions, kids. Um, do what, what you want to do, but know that if you learn how to be a good partner with your cousins, then you can do what you want. And hopefully this, this passive investing world will allow you to live the lifestyle and follow your passion. Awesome. So it sounds like then, um, if what I, the way I mapped it out is they kind of, your kids kind of own their own entity under, mm-hmm. under, you know, Nate Fisher's um, investment arm, uh, as well as some their LPs, and then they also own some of the family company shares from your parents that were gifted to them in a separate. That's awesome. So uh, great yeah. exposure for them, right? So now that you're you're talking to them through all of this stuff, um, how much do you, do your kids work inside of the business at all at the moment? Um, not not really, and that's that's intentional. Um, again, I really it's important for me to maintain that father-son relationship um, Mm -hmm. with them. And so the intent is not to have a, you know, my intent is not to have a a, a big family business in the traditional sense that you you see. And it's to make sure that if they, I want to enable them, if they, if they want to learn the business, then there, then there's an opportunity for us to partner or I can help teach them. We do spend a good bit of, of, of time, you know, talking about, um, talking about what I do. And I'm sure you do this with your kids. Hey, uh, I know we're on the way to the soccer game, but we got to drive this apartment <laughs> complex. And what do you guys think about the colors? You guys think mm-hmm. these colors work? <laughs> you know, funny. and we always joke, uh, you know, hey, uh, we bought an apartment complex today. Uh, you kids got another doorknob. They're like, hey, where's the doorknob? Let's go find the doorknob. Mm-hmm. Um, and so sort of, you know, I, I, I like to spend time talking with them about what I do. And, and you know, one of, I'll just share fellow GoBro, the, uh, you know, first to a million. I love this book by Dan Sheeks. Um, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a must read. I, I think it's written for teenagers and, you know, really what it lays out, it doesn't give you the answer, but it lays out that there's this alternative path that you can go down 
that doesn't say you need to go to college and you need to get in debt and you need to do yeah. this. You can do what we do. And so we spend uh, you know, time talking about, and we've all, all the kids have read the book. Um, my, well, my 12-year-old hasn't read it yet. It's next up on his reading list. And, and we'll talk chapter by chapter. And just to know that there's, there's other ways to go about life versus what society tells you. And so I'm just trying to empower them and maintain that father-son relationship. And if they decide they want to get in the business, great. Let's, let's partner up on something, you know, and figure it out. But I don't awesome. really want you to work for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and I, you know, I would, I would venture to guess. I mean, I don't even really have to guess. You kind of laid it out as part of that is because of that, if that feeling you got, you know, when you were 30, 35 years old, it's like, boy, I really don't want to have my kids have this feeling at 30 or 35 you know yeah um, yeah i mean that's you know go ahead i was just gonna say you know it was not gonna lie it was it was tough for it was tough growing up in in a in a family of first you know founders founders right like yeah. they're grinders man my mom and dad were serious grinders and i ground so hard the last 10 years and you know my both my 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 brother, you know, he had an alcohol problem. I had an alcohol problem that I dealt with in 2019. So, you know, my, to your listeners, don't, end, don't grind so hard and don't lose, don't lose the focus and feel like you have to grind so hard that you end up doing something bad. My marriage was challenged mm -hmm. and, you know, I had, my kids were getting older. I didn't want them to see dad as a drunk and, and, but that trauma uh, of growing up in this, this pressure and, and, in the times gave me an alcohol problem. I, you know, I, I took care of that and got my side of the street clean in 2019. And, uh, you know, just, you know, that, that, that was important for me to do that. And I don't want, you know, I don't want your listeners to, to make the same mistake I made. It was tough. Yeah. And my, you know, so. Yeah. And I think that, that part of that with what, especially what you just said, right. Is like, if we're not dealing with problems, they're going to fester up in one way, shape, or form, right? They're, yeah. they're, they're going to come out in one way, shape, or form, like uh, whether it's in anger management problems, whether it's in alcoholism, whether it's in drug addiction, whether it's in workaholic, right? Um, yeah. Somewhere it's going to come out if you're not dealing with it. And, you know, uh, you're talking to a guy who's been in combat a couple times, and it's one of those, um, it doesn't matter what, like if you're not dealing with it, it's going to come out. Whatever, whatever stress it was in your background, whatever stress it was in your life, yeah. deal with it, face it, talk about it, work through it. Um, don't hold it back. Like men, especially who have a tendency to, to hold it back and not want to say anything. Um, yeah. Uh, because, well, we're, we're tough enough to be able to do that. Right. I can put it in my little box. Yeah. There's that. Um, <laughs> what is it? I, I don't remember which, which comedian it was, but um, they were talking about the difference between, you know, uh, a man, a man's brain and a woman's brain. And uh, obviously this is a, a large generalization and, and people might cancel me just for being sexist, but, um, but I'm quoting somebody else. So we're good. Um, <laughs> but like you open up a man's brain and inside it's like, Oh, here's a box for this. And then here's a box for this. And you know, we put our lids on top of our boxes, nice and neat. And then when you're done with one box, you put the lid on it and then you can open mm -hmm. up another box, but never do two boxes get opened up at once. Right? And, it's, uh, <laughs> and then if you open up a woman's brain, you look in and there's that's massive noodles and all of these boxes poured all into each other. And it just you know, we like to keep our little boxes, but sometimes you got to open those boxes up and have a conversation about them because we don't we don't you know we have to pull that stuff out, and I I want to make sure that I teach that to my kids as well. So, um, uh, which ventures a question of like, have you had conversations with your kids about that feeling you've had, um, or those concerns that you had when when you were you know that thirty thirty five year old looking at the relationship you have with your dad. Um, have you talked to your kids about that and do the, and how do they feel about it if you have? 
Yeah, we we talk about it, and and you know I've been very intentional about you know as my oldest gets ready to head off to to be in, a young man and be independent. I've intentionally mm-hmm. tried to you know spend a lot of windshield time with him. We we both love to do downhill mountain biking, and we've driven all over the country to bike parks. And a lot of that time, you know, we we talk about you know I I want to be able to do those things. I want to have hobbies with him, and I want to be able to. You know, the way we handle the discussion about sex and the way we handle the discussion about alcohol, we're very, we're very open. Uh, I'm very open with them about that. And, you know, I think it's important to just maintain and feel like they can always talk to you. I mean, and, and you know, we have a great relationship when it comes to that. He, they don't feel intimidated. I've talked about that. It's important. I want to be their father. I don't want to be their mm-hmm. boss. Um, and, and to try to not to bring, bring it home, you know, it, it Sometimes it takes me a few minutes to shift gear from real estate going 110 miles an hour guy to dad. I have to, you know, I have to drive around the block and just slow down and dump a bunch of stuff mm-hmm. before I go be dad. But we do talk about it that that's that that's my intent is is to be dad as much as I can. Yeah, that's uh, so a concern I've been having personally is like. I, I and it was of no fault of my dad's. I just didn't have my dad around a ton. So I didn't have the relationship that I desired to have there. I wasn't around him as much. I didn't get the exposure. I really thought that I, uh, I should have. And then when I was well, in my twenties, it was bit. like, no, me? I didn't even learn how to be a man because my dad wasn't there type of thing, you know? And okay. like, so my concern now is, is, is going too far the other direction of like just being so focused on making sure I'm a, a very present dad that I neglect things on the business side of the house. Um, and I, I don't know if I've, I've noticed quite neglect, but I have noticed that I put, and you know, it's, it's good and bad, a lot more attention into the kids um, rather often. Uh, and I, I don't know if it's, I would venture to guess it's because of the, what I felt as a perceived lack from what I felt like I was missing from my dad. So I'm trying mm-hmm. to give that to my kids. Um, mm-hmm. Do you feel like you've, you've done that at all in, in your relationship with your kids as far as like um, really trying so hard to not be their boss or really trying so hard that you, maybe you're going a little too far in one direction or another, or, and, and if you, if not, how have you found balance in that? Well, you know, for, for me, I, I spent, you know, I spent a lot of nights on the couch numb from 2013 through 2019. And mm-hmm. so I was playing catch up already. So I probably overcompensated for those nights that I was just numb um, and and having a beverage. And so, yeah, I I might've gone overboard and felt like I needed to be super parent. And I'm not, you know, I told you earlier, like, I I think I probably went to 65 soccer games in the past 90 days, Uh, (laughs) you know, like is (laughs) because of three kids two play in varsity high school. Uh, you know, is that too much? Sometimes I feel like it, it, it can be too much. And I do need to make, make sure that I make time for my wife and I, uh, because mm-hmm. sometimes we're pouring so much into the kids that we don't pour enough into ourselves. Um, but by default, I like to talk about real estate. And on some of those trips, I do share and talk about sometimes what I'll, you know, if I'll write a, what I like to do just to keep that, that, you know, may break it up a little bit is I'll have my oldest son read at one of the uh, investment reports, the asset management reports on a property. And we'll talk, mm-hmm. well, do you know what that net operating income means? And so I do sort of break it up in there to instill some of this real estate and some of the knowledge, just so I'm not all like, Hey, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> so I, I do, or, or we'll take that book and we'll, we'll read a chapter and we'll talk about it. So, 
you know, that I can kind of straddle both things. Mm-hmm. That's good. Yeah. I, uh, um, the last, my last podcast, uh, we, uh, we talked about, um, uh, you know, there's going to be times and there's going to be seasons where, you know, you're going to have to sacrifice one side or the other. And it's all about figuring out, you know, having those conversations and being frank and vulnerable about them and saying, Hey, this is, this is a moment where dad needs to do a lot buckle down for, for, you know, for work. Um, and you know, my wife is going to be down with that or she's not, <laughs> hopefully she is like she understands. Right. <laughs> but, uh, um, but I think the, one of the biggest things you just said there was that, you know, you have to make time for your wife. Um, uh, and that was something that I, I tried to establish early on. But um, was there a point in your relationship where you, like after having kids, where there was like a, a, like a light bulb type thing where it said, oh, wow, I'm really not spending enough time with my wife? Or has that always been something you guys have made a priority uh, before and through kids? Boy, I'll tell you what, some of the early years, the grind, you know, with the economy in, in 09, 010, it was, and three little kids, it was just the mad dash, right? Uh, and, and we didn't. And so, you know, we have been off and on going to see a, a counselor, off and on for most of our relationship, just to do maintenance on the relationship. And I mm-hmm. think that that's important. And, you know, we, we actually just started back. Um, We've been to three or four sessions in the last few months just to make sure we sort of got off. We get off track and then we go, we go, oh, stop. Wait a minute. We yeah. need to go do some maintenance on us. And, you know, when you have kids starting to leave, there's a little bit of an identity and identity mm-hmm. crisis that goes on with mom, right? Like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? I've been this for a while and we do talk about it. And on my goals and objectives, I, I need to make sure that, you know, we talk about the transition as the kids leave. and. And sometimes we do have to go back and revisit, well, why did we get married? What made us get married 20 years ago? And we mm-hmm. like to ski. We're mountain folks, right? The name of the company's Peak 10. That's for the mountains. And sometimes we do have to remind us ourselves why we fell in love. And let's go do those things that, that we fell in love for. Uh, so it is, it is reminding each other and yeah. talking about and having you know, authentic conversations. <laughs> what are your thoughts on putting? putting like that time in on the calendar? Do you put time in on the calendar that it's like, this is time for my wife or uh, what, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. I mean, we, we have to, we have to, we're getting better. Okay. We're getting mm-hmm. better. It's always a work in progress. I want to hear the good, the bad and the ugly. So uh, that we can learn from, we can learn from the bad and the ugly just as well as we can learn from the good. So, yeah, you know, we, we, uh, you know, we're, we've met each other through, through GoBundance and I was at the uh, couples event in Austin last year and Jesse Isler mm-hmm. spoke and, and my wife attended with it with us and uh, he spoke and he has that calendar, right? The thing is yep. ginormous and I, I, I just got my 2024. And so we pull out the calendar and we've made that part of our family thing with the kids, you know, during holidays, we will, so Thanksgiving or Christmas, we'll pull that thing out and all the kids will get the post-it notes and we'll put their sports on. And we need to make sure that we identify when are the family times and when are the family vacations and we get input from all the kids. And part of that is, is making sure my wife and I have some trips. I actually, Mm -hmm you know, out of frustration, I planned out a whole bunch of trips for next year already, you know, like, <laughs> because I realized that we, we do have to make those, those, those times. Yeah. Um, and, and sometimes it, it, it is a fight, whether it's a fight to, to get the family to, to go on a vacation together because we have all these other existential sports 
or commitments pulling at us. Um, mm-hmm. And, but we do have to make time. We do have to force and, and some, but when we get there, we're like, gosh, we're so glad we're here. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, I want to, I want to narrow in on that statement. You said out of frustration, you went in and did it just because I'm, I, I feel like my, my brainwaves matched with you on that. So um, <laughs> uh, what was it that you, that led to the out of frustration that you said, and, and then what did that end up looking like on the actual calendar? Like um, I'll, I'll pause there and you can take that whichever direction yeah. you think I'm trying to go. You know, it's kind of like, we know we need the break. We know yep. we need to pause and go have a weekend. Just mom, just, just husband and wife. Mm-hmm. If we don't get that on certain, some interval, uh, then we're just not right. And I've got to put it on the calendar and I sort of know when we're going to, I know when the, the tough times are like this soccer season, three kids I knew. So we actually used a go abundance event at Lake Oconee, uh, mm-hmm. as, as a pause to, so we both went to that and we, you know, we had an extra day there where we could just nothing planned, just be husband and wife and enjoy each other. So it's, it's finding those spots when you think you're going to need that energy of each other and getting them on the calendar and trying to stick to them. Awesome. Yeah. I, uh, I, I've, I've contemplated just kind of doing it myself. I like finding a time that my wife and I could just sit down and discuss what our calendar is going to look like for the next um, week is difficult, let alone to try to figure out the next year, but I want to be able to strategically place those things. Um, so, uh, and, and be much more intentional about it. My wife is still active duty air force at the moment. So it makes life a little bit more difficult because I don't mm-hmm. really know what her schedule is going to be. Um, uh, or, or even mine, I still have a tendency to be held in that, that military mindset of, uh, you know, I can't, I, I'll put in, I'll put in my days off two weeks before I know that I'm going to be able to have it. And then they're still flexible. I won't buy my airplane tickets until like three days before I leave, um, <laughs> which drives me bonkers that I do that. But I, it, it's still been so ingrained in me from the military that I never know if like some mission's going to pop up, something's going to happen. Or there's going to be some case I got to run something, whatever. But, uh, um, and that leads to a lot of the frustration, which is why I was thinking to myself, like, maybe I just go in there and put it in automatically. Like these are plus or minus one week this is what we're going to be doing on these days. I can start working, you know, grandparents to be able to watch kids and do all the stuff. Um, how specific are you on that, that calendar on those trips? Like, is it just like, we're going to be doing something or is it, no, we're going to be doing this. No, I just really, I just place market, you know, Hey, this is a weekend that, that we think works, whether it's, you know, I'm not sure how old, how old, how old, how old are your children? Oh, mine are young, eight, four and six months. Okay. Well, you know, the, the you, you get into that rotation and you don't have the you don't have the school system to dictate your life cuz oh, you, you are. Okay, well, you know, the sporting calendar starts to dictate so much mm-hmm. and so it's sort of wherever there's a gap in there that I think we can fit in and there are a couple of uh, you know, sacrifices we're going to have to give up something. I just try to find breaks in the schedule that I think will work and and we'll decide where where we go, what the weather is where that is, if it's a trip down to Florida, if it's a trip to Colorado, I'll just, you know, maybe I don't, I don't need, I don't need to have it completely black and white. As long as I got a mm-hmm. bubble to work in, I'll try to make it happen. Good. Yeah. My, my brain is very logical. So I, I look at it and go, well, if I don't know exactly what I'm doing, when I'm going to do it, I'm not going to put it in my calendar. And I, I need to get over <laughs> some of that stuff. I need to break some of the, that pattern. It, it's difficult. And I see it getting happening to my sons in, you know, and not in like a calendar way, because I don't pay attention to a calendar, but in like the 
a planning type of way or in the things need to be exactly the way they're they're supposed to be type of way like it's 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 not a great way to live sometimes that adds a lot of that extra stress but um a little bit of flexibility in my life i mean there's a reason i i got left the military and became an entrepreneur is <laughs> flexibility right but you know I, yeah. i'm i'm not very good at flexibility so um but uh, um, tell me a little bit more about your your personal business. I'm going to pivot a little bit there um, on the, I think you said 465 doors, I think you said? I have 430 doors that I manage on a day-to-day basis. Okay. So <clears throat> and, tell me a little bit about that business. Um, uh, I, I'm an apartment guy myself. Sure. I absolutely love it. I've sold a majority of my stuff over, over the last couple of years because it was a great time to sell. And now I'm sitting here going, okay. When do I get to buy again? Like you know, so uh, let's let's go down that that road a little bit. And sure, uh, how sure. how long did it take to build up those four hundred and thirty doors? What has been kind of your mission and goals behind uh, behind your real estate company? So the 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 property management portion of my world, uh, I bought a three hundred unit portfolio, three buildings on the edge of downtown Dayton in twenty sixteen, oh, and. You know, the, the big thing with that is when I was in the, and, the, and I was still working for the family business, but what I realized is that, uh, and we had not really been, we had not taken outside money. It was all internal family money for a lot of years. And, and so when I realized in the family business that the cost structure wasn't going to support, you know, outside investors, mm-hmm. uh, I decided that I would, you know, put this, this new financial structure together in this new, more modern syndication structure, if you will together when I bought the Dayton, the Dayton portfolio. Um, and so that's, I bought, you know, the 300 units in one, in one big swoop and my, you know, with my family as, as the, we typically like to own 60% of the deal or 50% mm-hmm. plus. And so that's how that's structured with 40% outside money, um, outside investors. And so that gave us a new, the, the new, or gave me the, the ability to, to grow in a new way that wasn't, that was sort of outside the family, but still took care of the family. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that is, uh, those three buildings operate out of a, a central leasing office. And I've added a fourth building that's literally right next door. And then this, this summer I added a fifth building. Um, and so that's sort of grown. And the strategy there is, is really to build it up. So when, it, when we do decide to sell it, it's a, of scale that a, a larger buyer would come in and instantly have, have scale in the market. So. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I look at around that neighborhood and I don't, you know, if it makes sense, I, I, I buy it, but been very cautious, you know, in hindsight, I probably shouldn't have bought the fifth building this summer cause it's been crazy out there, mm-hmm. but, uh, that was the strategy there. And, you know, it's nice. We, 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 uh, you know, looking across the whole portfolio, right. I have in my Texas stuff where we have 2000 units as well that I'm invested in. That's been a, a value add flip the properties as fast as we can for the past 10 years. My partner is the property manager down there. My brother and sister and I uh, work with him and guarantee loans and he runs the day-to-day. Um, and my family's invested in those as well. And then I have my day-to-day property management company. And then again, the, the legacy that my family, they manage mm-hmm. for stuff that I'm a part owner in. So, you know, we have a nice geographic diversification and we have while it's all multifamily, we have geographical diversity. Uh, we have within the asset class, we have some class A, we have some class B, we have some class C. So, you know, a nice mix of active and, and, and passive across that. Um, okay. And, and yeah, I just saw know, it. Okay. Yeah. Does that make sense? No, no, it makes perfect sense. Yeah. I, uh, it's funny. I just saw a deal for up in Beaver Creek just come across my email. 
Um, mm-hmm. and I was like, ah, you know, once you mentioned Dayton, I was like, I should, you know, you probably already know about it because, because that's, that's your market. But, um, yeah. I used to live out in Dayton. So that's why I, I'm, I, uh, I still get some emails about some different properties that are up there. And, um, I haven't, I haven't even looked at investing out there in a long time, but, um, Midwest is, uh, you know, the, these, the, the, the economy where it's at today and what's happening, what we're seeing in our Texas assets, you know, occupancy is down. You've got insurance challenges on the deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and then it's nice to be in the mid- Midwest. This is when the Midwest thrives, yeah. right? Like we have consistent sure. rent growth. It's just steady Eddie. I like having this in the portfolio. Um, we're right across from downtown Dayton, right by the Art Institute, the Masonic Temple. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got Wright Pat, as you know. You know, it's yep. just a nice solid. So I, I like to look and see, okay, what do I have? So the stability of the Midwest is great right now. And that's why people are looking here and you know, Texas people are coming for higher yields. We've had yeah. It's it's so you know I look at it that way as well, and also I have a development business, so we're joint venturing. I have eighty five units that are going to be finishing up here on the east side of central uh, east side of downtown. So a new construction, We've got one hundred and thirty units in a joint venture being built in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Nice. Uh, so you know I've got a little bit of a little bit of everything. That's awesome. What what have you noticed right now in the in the market? Now, by the time this comes out, it's going to be a couple months from now, and who the heck knows what's going to happen in just a couple months um, right now. <laughs> In the market, but what have you been noticing right now as far as buying? Because I'm I'm looking at deals in the Midwest. I've I've bought out in Indiana. I've had a few different deals, and I'm looking more out in Indiana again. Um, because down here in Florida is nearly impossible at the moment. I mean, it, it's uh, well, between yeah, you know. the insurance rates that are you know thousand dollars a door to you know any number of things that are just dreadful. All the prices are going up, but the interest rates are going up. It's just it's been it's been tough. But kind of what have you been seeing? You know, uh, struggles wise, and what have you been seeing strengths wise in in the market, especially in uh, in multifamily? Yeah, I mean, I, I will I will go back a little bit. I. Uh, you know, I started off 2022 with one business plan and had to pivot very hard, right? I was going to, oh, we're going to buy, we're going to buy, we're going to buy. And I'm going to have this, this company doing this, and this is my plan. And, you know, that went out the window immediately. Um, and mm-hmm. then, you know, I decided, well, I want to learn this development business. And so, you know, I've been buying land in central Ohio as well. So we have, you know, some good, we've got a pipeline of a couple hundred units that we can develop. But so we, you know, we spent 2022 looking for deals and the, the, the delta between what the seller wants and what the market can finance, it was mm-hmm. 20%, right? Or 15 or, you know, so I see it coming down a little bit, but it, it's still, there's still the delta is too big for things to make sense on the, and, you know, you can't, you know, the interest rates going up erases all your value add strategy. So why try to fight the, the you know, the, the Fed? It just doesn't work. Yeah. And so um, that, that value add strategy has pretty much gone out of the window unless you're underwriting it at ultra conservative at today's interest rates with a, an exit cap rate that's, you know, a point higher, like, yeah. you, you know, or some super creative owner financing or a, an asset that's distressed so much that you're getting such a bargain on it. And so the last deal that I, you know, I bought, it had to make sense at seven and a half percent because that's what I could finance it at. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, so I think that that spread needs to come down and, and, you know, we do have a couple deals in Texas that are in trouble that are just not going to make it. So it's, it's hunkering down, trying to make smart decisions, taking virtually no risk and understanding 
you know, some of the passive investments, what's the debt look like? Okay, what what's going on? You know, I do, I'm in a couple deals that have variable rate debt. I know I have a capital call coming. Where am I going to get the cash for that call, capital call coming? Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, it's, I think if we're climbing Everest, right, we're at base camp for the next two years. We're going to hang out at base camp, foundational planning, get, get everything, everything ready for the next level. You know, we've yep. been, th- I've been through this before, right? You go back to, to, um, you know, pre great financial crisis, the apartment industry was already in a recession because the government at that time was promoting home ownership. So occupancy was already down mm-hmm. and, you know, you couldn't rent an apartment for what people could go get a house. So it's just realizing that it now's not the time to take great risk. It's, uh, it's time to, to, to hunker down and, and to stay in your lane and, and just get the foundation right. Yeah, it's been, uh, it's been rough to, to, I mean, it's almost been um, demoralized. Like I just, I barely even want to underwrite deals. It's like, man, oh man, that's just exhausting. It's like, what's the point? Like I can even tell looking at asking prices. I'm like, no, there's no way. Like, yeah, maybe two years ago you could have got that, but right now there's no chance. I mean, no. even last year you probably could have got that for sure. But this year it's just not, it's just not in the cards. Um, and and, and what, one thing I do want to, you know, hit on, yeah. which, which is, is, is interesting is, you know, it's, you said demoralizing, right? Like it's sort of depressing sometimes. And I, I, mm-hmm. I, I'm not going to lie. I went to my wife. I said, wife, I said, wife. I didn't mean that. I said, honey, <laughs> listen here. Wife. I went to, I went <laughs> to wife. Hey wife. I didn't mean that didn't come out right. I, I went to my wife. I, I said, I said, Hey honey, I said of any time in my life, I need your support right now more than ever. I mm-hmm. said, it's tough out there. I, I, this is the most messed up I've seen it. And I need you, you know, when you go through the five languages of love, you know, I need the positive reinforcement and I need to know that I'm doing a good job and I'm working hard. I said, I need to be told that because I'm struggling right now because mm-hmm. I go and I talk to the banker and he, it's miserable for him. I talk to this guy, it's miserable. I talk to this investment. Oh gosh. So I, I'm with you. It's challenging to hear the negativity all the time and still remain positive. Um, it's tough. And, and I see that and, and this is the first time, you know, guys are talking about it. It's tough. And yeah. it's, it's challenging. Like you said, it's demoralizing sometimes. And, you know, so it's, it's been a challenge to go there and, and be the warrior, right? Yeah. <laughs> that we've been for the yeah, past I mean, 10 years. It's part of what we have to do though, right? If we're not, yeah. if we're not still driving, then, you know, the only time that it's over is when you quit. Right. So mm-hmm. it's, it's never over until you go out. Oh, my little lady just woke up from a nap. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it, it, if we're not the ones that are pushing hard and not the ones trying to pivot to what does make sense, I, you know, I, I mentioned it in a previous podcast. I don't remember even who, who told me, but it was like, you can't control the market. You just have to participate in it. We have no choice. Like yep. we've got to participate in it right now. You're in the market, whether you like it or not, you know, you've got units, you've got deals, you've got stuff, right? Um, so we're already in the market. Now we just have to participate. And what is it that we're going to participate in? Um, it sounds like, when did you start the development stuff? It sounds like that was semi-recent, right? Was that, was that stemming from the, the change in the business structure in 2022 or the business plan in 2022? No, that, you know, the, the sandbox that my family has played in is uh, just east of central Ohio. And it's just east of downtown. So uh, it's okay. a very defined area. So over the years, and that neighborhood is gentrified. It's a, a first tier suburb, if you will, of downtown. So ni- 1890s, 1900s. Anyway, it's gentrifying right now. And so 
growing up, uh, we've been invested in that neighborhood for 50 years. And so along the way, my father picked up lots and various pieces mm -hmm. and I made a big purchase in 2016. I bought up a bunch of really great real estate, like land and a grocery store. And so the plan was always when we had the cash flow and when we felt like we had the financial position that I, we would enter into, into new construction. And so over, this has been a long, this has been 50 years in the making, right? Like, uh, <laughs> but we finally felt like uh, we would get into the development. And so dipping our toe in through a joint venture, we didn't want to try to do it all on ourselves. And so back in 2020, it felt like it was time to get that part of our world. And I love to learn and that's, you know, I love to learn new things. And I'll tell you what, the development business is radically different than the cash flow existing asset mm -hmm. multifamily business. And I wanted to venture in at the right time with the right partners to, with the right amount of risk. And so it just felt like it was the right time to jump in. But, you know, today we have this land and we have a couple hundred units in the pipeline and we were going to start down the development path, but now it's like, whoa. So I think we're going to, mm -hmm. you know, pull the plug and, and make sure because the development deals just do not pencil today. They yeah. make zero sense. The risk is too great. And so yeah. we'll just, we'll just sit for now and wait. Okay. So we're yeah, going mean, to, we're going to pause that world. That's part of what you have to do in these things is, is, you know, you were saying that, and this is semi off subject, but I've got a really good buddy of mine that was on the podcast. I don't know. One of the first few, um, that's retiring from the air force that lives out in Dayton and he's been trying to get into real estate. I should try to connect you guys. Um, but Dan Reed, he's a phenomenal guy with a great work ethic, um, strong family. And, uh, but anyways, um, different side subject, but, yeah. uh, um, so when it, uh, what was I going to, where was I going to go? I distracted even myself. Develop on the development and Dan and. Okay. Yeah. So you, so you paused the development side of the house, um, for the moment in that area. Uh, you talked about, um, a couple of the, the deals in Texas might not end up going so well. Right. Um, so what have you been like, what kind of discussions do you have with your wife? What kind of discussions, um, if any, do you have with your kids about these types of things? I look back at the, um, you know, 2007, 2008, 2009, I was not married. I had no kids. Um, I was, uh, like 2007, 2008 was still in the military. So I got a steady paycheck coming in all the time. Um, mm -hmm. I didn't really feel or notice what was going on as much. I lived through it. I like looking back, I can kind of know it, but when I was going through it, I didn't have the financial stress that a lot of other people did because I had that guaranteed government check coming in. But if I were to start having these conversations now, my, I think my, you know, obviously my four-year-old and my six-month-old, zero discussion is going to be had on that. But I would love to expose my eight-year-old, he's in fourth grade, like a little bit about what, what, it, what it means that, you know, groceries have gone up or, you know, in your case, you're, you know, you have a senior in high school, you could have a different conversation about like what life means as you're, as you're going through these things. So what kind of conversations have you had or do you want to have or are you avoiding uh, to have with your, with your kids on, on what's happening in the world? right now yeah i mean i i i don't I, I i try to shield them as as much as i can i mean that that's maybe not the right word um you know i have regular discussions with my wife about what's going on do we get into the nitty-gritty details of every single one no mm -hmm. that's just not her she doesn't she doesn't enjoy that and she yeah. doesn't but you know, I do keep her abreast of hey, and you know, this is what's going on. These are some of the challenges. It's going to be okay. You know, fortunately, um, having a, a brother and a sister who are in the same business with you 
Mm-hmm. We we talk every single week for an hour. That's what makes our relationship super strong. And you know, if there is challenges where I feel like I'm going to get in trouble, or you know, I'm a typical real estate guy, right? Like tons of assets, no cash flow, right? Like the challenge. <laughs> and and yeah. this is and maybe this is a good a good point to talk about the conversation I had with my mother. And so you know, I do have some things coming up and. And so I, I have a few challenges coming up, but I know that I have strong people around me. So right now, trying to quantify what the next 24 months looks like from a cash flow standpoint is what mm-hmm. makes me sleep well at night. Knowing that I, I, I know what the steady eddies are, I know what the predictability is. Am I going to take as many vacations as I, as I did the past two years or the past four years? No, I'm going to tone it down a little bit, maybe live a little bit more conservatively. And those are the conversations I have with my wife and my family. Mm-hmm. No, we can't go do this. Maybe we need to tone it back or, Hey, why did you go to CVS six times and Starbucks six times and Dick's this, you know, like maybe <laughs> we don't need to get all that stuff. So maybe yeah. that's, that's the conversation I have with, with my family and my kids is, Hey, we're going to, you know, the economy's tough. We're gonna we're gonna tone it back a little bit. Maybe we're not gonna mm-hmm. go to, out to eat three times this week. Maybe it's two times. It's okay to you know it, to um, instill a little bit of of maybe not fear or hey, we need to watch the pennies a little bit more. That's okay wisdom, to right? yeah, it's wisdom and and let's just tone it back a little bit because the economy is tough. Those are the conversations I think you can have with your with your with your children. Maybe you don't need to have that extra latte, or maybe you need to do this and. Those are great lessons to teach now. Now I want to yeah. go back. I want to talk about the benefits of having a mother and father and a brother and sister in this business is when cash flow gets tough, they understand because mm-hmm. my mom and dad, you know, I said, Hey mom, we are going to have some challenges. I might need to come to you if, you know, I want six backup plans in place, right? I want to know that I've got, that I can maintain this lifestyle. I'm not going to have any problems. Should I want backup plan A, B, C, D, E, F, and G? That's me. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's okay to go have the conversation with my mom, with my mother and father or my brother and sister, and they can have it with me because they understand that this is the game that the real estate people play yeah. because my parents played it all the time. They didn't tell us about it, but I said this to my mom and dad. I said, it's going to be a little bit of a challenge for the next couple of years. Our cash flow isn't going to be what it was. Okay. Mm-hmm. And they're like, you know what? We played that game so many times. We get it. We understand it. We're going to watch out for each other and we're going to take care of each other. They get it. They played that game. They've done this before. And that gives me peace of mind. They understand. They understand it. They get it. They did it. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's powerful. Yeah, that's that's extremely powerful to have somebody. You know, there was... I was listening to somebody once and I, I completely disagreed to the thought process, but he was like, well, you can't, you can't invest with anybody who hasn't been through one of those big financial downturns. I'm like, okay, well, there, you tend to run out of those when you have 15 <laughs> years worth of no financial downturn, right? Yeah. Um, some of these people have gotten all their chips off the table and they're not doing this stuff anymore, right? But to have somebody who's been in this business for 50 years sitting next to you saying, hey, this, like this, we understand we've been through this before. We totally get it. Um, you know, we, we know what it's like to have, you know, not a six month rainy day fund, but a one year rainy day fund. Like this is just what we need to do um, to be able to to weather the storm. Um, I think yeah. that's super valuable. And you know, I, I've caught myself trying to figure out the difference between teaching scarcity versus teaching wisdom to the kids, right? <laughs> um, because there's like, uh, oh no, we don't have the money for that. Versus 
hey, like we we're keeping we're reserving more funds right now to make sure that we have like the future because I mean a, a gallon of milk has not the same this year as it was last year. My dollar yeah. is not worth the same, especially if you go back to look at the trillions of dollars we've printed, and it's like not none of our money is worth the same. So let's just be a little wiser with how we spend it, not because we can't go get more, but because we don't know how much more the government's going to keep taking from us. So like yeah. we, we've got to play this game of of, of wisdom versus scarcity. Um, and uh, yeah, I don't know. It's it's a it's an interesting thing, but I I I love that you have your your parents, you know, sitting there understanding and helping you stay stay calm through the storm. And, and not that not that you'd be wild, but just that it's it's just that extra bit of anchor to just know that yep, we're totally firm, we're totally committed, we understand, we're all in the same we're all in the same boat, and we know how to get through it together. So that's awesome. Um, yeah, it, it's just good. And and whether you know if if whether it's my brother or my sister or whoever, you know, we all understand the game that we're playing here mm-hmm. and got e- and have each other's back. You know, it's uh, you know, another thing. I you know the, the challenge that with with my kids is they're all super super active and 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 sports, and so they're playing multiple on multiple teams and mm-hmm. you know doing their their individual sports, and it's been a real struggle. Like, okay, they have great grades and they play multiple sports, so that leaves almost no time to work. <laughs> like yeah. we struggle with this. Okay, are they going to understand the the work ethic? Because I always worked, but I didn't have you know I, I didn't play three sports in one season, or I didn't have all these hobbies. And so, you know, my wife and I like how do we instill work ethic when they don't have the time to work because they're getting great grades and they're playing all these sports and they're you know it's been a, it's been it's a tough. I struggle with that. Like how do I, you know, that's been a that's been a, a struggle. Well, I I would venture to. Yes. And I mean, I'm not, uh, I don't have kids that are teenagers yet, obviously, but um, their learning work ethic and how you teach it to them would be through that sports stuff, right? Like, hey, you're, you're, yeah. you're teaching, you're getting work ethic through school and sports. Do you really yeah. want to be solid at sports? You need to put in the effort. It's going to be the same thing when you're out. Like, do you really want to get the promotion at work? Do you really want to run your own business? It's, you're going to have to put in the work and the effort to do it. Um, yeah. Just, you know, when you're when you're 15, the the work ef- work ethic is a little <laughs> bit different. Like, it's, you know, did did you go and do do that extra hour of, uh, of weightlifting after soccer practice to make sure that you're good to go? Did you do those extra sprints this morning? Um, whatever the case may be. But, um because I, I've, you know, I, I'm at this thing. This one of the reasons I started homeschool is I want my kids to have a childhood, and I just felt like nine hours of school a day does not a childhood make, right? So it was like you're yeah. doing that plus sports, and it's like when when do you get to? You're sort of a kid when you're out playing sports, but man, oh man, when do you get to be a kid? You know, and enjoy being a kid. And when do I get to be a dad? Like you're at school nine hours a day, and then sports yeah. for two hours. Like when the heck do I see you? Yeah, we we try to maximize the uh, the vacation days and go out and see the places mm-hmm. that they hear about in school. That's a big thing, a big thing with us. Um, we we like to yeah. travel and go check out new places. So always, it, you know, lessons, life lessons through uh, through experience for sure. Yeah, I love it. Um, I'm gonna kind of roll back to something that we talked sure. about earlier. I just looked back in my notes from uh, our pre call. Um, and, uh, you mentioned that your, your dad got cancer in 2010 and I'm doing the math now. And that's roughly the same time that you started to realize that you wish you had that relationship with your dad. Was that, was like that the impetus to, to those, those feelings, those thoughts? Um, was that actually around the same time? Is my math correct on that? Yeah. I mean, there was a lot going on in that time. There was terrible economy. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, dad came in on a, on a Thursday and said, I got cancer. I'm, I'm going to be out. 
Monday. And, you know, my brother and I are working the family business. I've got uh, a wife. You know, we've got our third kid on the way. We don't know where you can afford it. I mean, it was just mm-hmm. a really crazy, crazy time. And, you know, my parents were, couldn't make a decision on who was going to be the CEO of the company. And, uh, you know, it was, yeah, I mean, it was just a wild time now that I reflect on that. And, you know, he's still fighting that today. He's got 10 and a half lives, man. He, I don't, he's a, he's a trooper, <laughs> but, uh, but you know that, yeah, it was a wild time. I mean, just so much going on in my head and it just, just, yeah. Now that I, now that you remind me of that period. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, I, I, I couldn't imagine all of that getting thrown at you all at the same time. Just, uh, just dreadful, dreadful timing across the board. And I think that life, life just has a tendency to do that to us anyways, right? Whether it's, you know, uh, who knows what it's going to be that's thrown at us, but something's going to get thrown at us or having that strong work ethic that you've already built, having that strong relationship, um, with, you don't know when you're going to need to have that unbelievably strong relationship with your spouse. You just like life is going to happen. You're going to need to have that strong relationship with your spouse. So you might as well be working on it now so that when it happens, you're not already at the end of your, you know, the end of your rope. Well, I feel like right now is the time. Now is a time to, to have that strong relationship uh, because it is tough out there. And these, yeah. you know, we're coming, we're coming off the peak, right? We're in the Valley now. And what, what lesson did you learn when you're from the peak or what decisions did you make mm-hmm. in the peak? And once you start realizing when you're in the valley, uh, what, and, and uh, what's his name? Dr. Hardy, I forget the, where I listen to this, yeah. but you know, so, uh, you know, what lesson did I learn? And as soon as you realize that lesson and start embracing it and getting better, that's when you start to grow. Right. And I feel like right now is that time I'm going, wow, I made that decision to buy that deal in 2021. And then everything happened when we closed by the time we closed in may of 2022 wow what did we learn let's not make that decision mm-hmm. again and and so you know i'm starting to to realize what did i do wrong and what what did i learn to grow from from that for sure and, and the I wife that, is important you know, to that <laughs> important to have yeah, so i was just gonna say like dragging that into the, to the wife's side of the house what have you know what have we done um you know in our relationship that made us so strong going through this hard part or what have we done in our relationship that made us so weak when we got to this particular pivot point because you know when you're talking about financial crisis being or financial worries being one of the number one uh, reasons that people get divorced right now is the time where we're going to be seeing those those happen like the divorces probably aren't going to happen this moment but the divorce is going to happen in a year from now after right. the stress of all of this is been you know kind of starting to get released but um uh, i think that that's where if we're being wise about it um we will have already built that strong foundation to to have those open conversations to do exactly what you said like hey things are going going a little rough right now i want you to understand that i want you to be supportive of me throughout all of this because like it's when we don't feel that support when we don't have those conversations again when we keep that lid closed on that thing and then all of a sudden we're like okay it's time to open that freaking thing up here it goes (laughs) and then you know it's it's one of those little things that you know open the can and the, the springs come flying out it just turns into a mess um uh, so what what have you found has been some of the best ways in communicating with your wife that has um, you know especially running through business up and down? I mean it's it's all over the place. What have you found have been some of the best ways to communicate with your wife um, in some of those uh, to prepare yourself? I should say for some of those struggles that are that are bound to come at some point or another. Yeah, I think you know what she what's important. Just understanding what's important to her is 
you know, are we going to be okay? And yes, we are going to be okay. We built a really strong foundation. It's, and it's while I might be a little bit freaked out today, the future is bright. We're in this for the long mm-hmm. game. And all the hard work and all the investments that we made over the years, right? It's okay to sell one of those if we need to shore up our life and our finances mm-hmm. now. That's why we work so hard. And so just reassuring her that while I'm a little bit stressed and maybe I'm, I'm, Maybe, you know, I went off the handle because I saw that my daughter went to Starbucks, right? And bought a $7 coffee. And oh, she decided <laughs> to DoorDash it and it became a $15 coffee. Of and course. We, and, yes. we live a, and we live a block from Starbucks. Like, you know, because... <laughs> <laughs> this sounds like a very specific scenario. I, uh, I've got the feeling this may have happened within the last week. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, but, you, you know, while, while I'm, I'm a little bit freaked out today and maybe I'm, I'm counting a few pennies more than I did last week... Sometimes the market is is in, in the conversations of the day are playing tricks on my brain. When I do my mm-hmm. one sheet and you know with a go GoBro, the facts say everything is fine. But when I listen to podcasts or I listen to the news or I have whatever, I talk to too many people and I mm. get all the negativity, that messes with my mindset when the facts tell me. And sometimes I just need to go back to the facts and discuss yeah. those with my wife that the facts say everything is fine. The end of the day everything is fine and we'll be fine. We've been here before. It's, it's yeah. the mindset playing tricks on me. Oh, for sure. I love that. I mean, I'm such a logical thinker that that tends to be where I go anyways. Um, like even when I'm underwriting a deal now, the facts tell me that things are going to be, things are going to not be the way that your pro forma tells me it's going to be right. Right. Um, you know, that's, that's not the way it goes, but, um, uh, my wife is not as uh, logical of a thinker like like that. She's a little bit more on the emotional thinking side of the house. Um, most people aren't as logical thinking as me, and, and and I don't mean that to be insulting. It's just my I, I have a hard time with emotion. It's just it, it's it's not really there. Um, but uh, uh, the logical side of me also tells me though that like there's going to be a lot of opportunity. There's going to be a lot of things that are coming due, and you know some people when you're in some circles and you say the word like, "Hey, this this financial situation is going to provide a lot of opportunity for me." That feels like you're kind of like a a shark in the water, or you're a snake in the bush waiting to bite somebody, and that's not the case at all. I just know that there's going to be some times where people are not going to be able to to pay their bills, and I would love to be there to be able to help them get get out of something that's that's going to be torturous for them. Hundred um, percent, yeah. I mean, know. you know, hundred percent. Like we actually, we actually. I mean. The, when this when this change in the market happened, it, it's actually good. We needed to weed out some of the the, oh, yeah. the crazy. We needed to weed out some of the crazy people that didn't need to be in this, and that's going to open up. Mm-hmm. You're right, and and sometimes I have to remind myself of that. Like this is going to create opportunities. Actually, my mother was just here in my office, uh, and she's 80, 80 years old. And I was saying, you know, this is this is this is foundational stuff that I'm talking with you about. The moves I want to make here are, are what's best for the family, and we need to build the foundation and get ready for for the next phase that's going to come after this because we're going to grow again. So we don't mm-hmm. want to be we don't want to to your point we don't want to sit here and be reactive. We want to be proactive and let's get yeah. the pieces of the puzzle in place today. So when those opportunities come, because they will, you're right, they're going to come. Let's be ready. Uh, you know, yeah. just had that conversation before before <laughs> you know you and I jumped yeah. on. Yeah, I mean, it, well, you have to have, and and I'm I'm saying this knowing that I'm still in the process of doing it with some of my business stuff. But you have to have the pieces in place that make the foundation strong. Um, you know, it, and know when you have to pull some chips off the table. Know when you have to kind of like you may not know why you have to pull it off. You could just see that it's time to pull it off, and you may not know when you're going to be putting it back on the table. You may not know when that's going to happen. 
But if you're if you're if you've prepared yourself properly and your business properly, then you know, the time will come. It'll be there. Um, and mm-hmm. you know, have the backup plan to the backup plan to the backup plan, like you said, all the way out <laughs> to you know uh, letter G. Um, yeah. But uh, I think that that the uh, the wisdom in in planning, you know, it, we who is it? Uh, um, uh, Mike Tyson, I think it was that everybody's got a plan to get punched in the mouth, right? Yeah. Um, yep. And then we used like to that. say uh, in the military, it's like you know, uh, plan uh, plans are useless, but planning is priceless, right? It's like you can have all the plans in the world, but it's the planning process that really is what becomes useful because your plans almost never go the way you want them to. You just talked about 2022, your plan didn't go the way you wanted it to. You had all these ideas and things you wanted to go, and guess what? Time to pivot. And I remember when when COVID first started in GoBundance, we had all these calls about like where, what was going to be happening. Um, um, you know, it's like March or April of 2020, and we're like hunkered down. Like this is going to be like people are going to be losing their shirts, and it's going to be dreadful. And then the government printed trillions of dollars, and it was like, oh, wow. our. All right. Well, let me adjust that plan because I wasn't expecting this, right? <laughs> like it was not, ex- and then they did it again. So it, you know, you never know what's going to affect your plan, how it's going to go. You know, next year an election could change our plans completely. It could be, you know, who who them knows. But again, if you have the foundation built and you have yourself prepared and know that this is just part of what's going to happen, um, it, it is what it is, you know. And I try to look at my kids, and I've said it a, a billion times, but like my kids are like my own my own little businesses, right? Um, where I'm the CEO of those businesses and I want to make sure that they're ran properly until I'm, I'm, you know, until they're out of the house. And then I get to be the, you know, the board of advisors. Give me a call when mm-hmm. you need advice on something. I want to be hands off. You're out of the house. You get to run your own life. My business is now functioning well on its own. I get to be board of advisors and go sit on the beach. Um, but, uh, I think that preparing them for the hard times in their life is going to be the same thing. Like we do, we, we focus a lot in our business and you and I have just been talking about it a lot in our business. Um, but we need to prepare our kids for hard times in life. Not, you know, not the financial crisis of OA. I don't need to prepare them for that. I need to prepare them for, um, what happens when, you know, you're, uh, you break your leg and you can't play the sports that you wanted to for the next six months, eight months. What are we going to do then? Like, how do we work through some of these situations and, and set the foundation for our kids? So what kind of foundation have you felt that you have set for your kids for any trials and tribulations that come in their life? Cause they're bound to happen. Um, and, and I'm, I'm selfishly asking this because my kids are going to be teenagers soon and you already have all the teenagers. So, uh, <laughs> you know, what kind of foundations have you set or did you wish you set f- deeper, um, uh, in your kids' life to prepare them for some challenges? You know, really, you know, my goal, I guess, really, I want to give them the tools to be independent humans. And hopefully I've, I've prepared them with enough of those tools that they can flap their wings and fly and be, be on their own and, and know that, that, you know, if they get in trouble, I'm here. And just trying to maintain that, not being too much of a, you know, a friend to, but maintain, maintaining that, mm-hmm. that to me, it's important that they have that open line of communication that they feel comfortable yeah. coming to me, you know, and, and, you know, I've read some great books about how to be a good father untangled that, you know, tangled, I think is the name or untangled, uh, love that book and, you know, how to communicate with your daughter and, you know, cause it's a different conversation with, with the daughter mm-hmm. than it is with the son. Right. And so, you know, I've done, I've tried to realize that it's two different people and, making sure that if, you know, if something happens to my daughter, you know, I told her the other day, 
I'm not so concerned about the decisions that you're going to, that you make. Cause I know you're a smart girl and we've talked and we have an open conversation. I'm concerned about the drunk friend of a friend, right. That comes over yeah, and makes a sure. bad decision and know that you can always pick up the phone and call me. I'm not going to judge. I just want you to be safe and your safety is the most important thing, right? Like that's a, a little bit of a different conversation with the boys, right? So understanding what conversation you're having with each, with each one is, is a little bit different, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the, the, the discussion with my 17-year-old son, it's, hey, man, you know, no is no, and don't make that decision, <laughs> and, and don't be one of those guys, and, and you know, you're going to succumb to peer pressure to do stupid things, because you don't want to be that guy that I'm telling my, your sister about, right? You don't want to mm-hmm. be that drunk guy that's doing stupid things over at some, you know, like, it's just different conversations that, that, that we have with them, and, 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 and you know, understanding, and... So no, I, I do want them to go off and be independent people. And whether it's a challenge in sports, it's a, you know, I want you to handle that. I, you know, I'm not as much many times as my wife or I want to pick up and call the soccer coach because blah, 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 didn't happen. Mm-hmm. You know, no, you've got to handle that on your own. That's how you become a man. And that's how you become an adult. We're yeah. just here to, we can be a sounding board, but you've got to handle that. And you've got to have that difficult conversation. That's how you grow. I can't hover over you and do that for you. No um, you know, uh, you got to do that. Yeah. I remember there was a time when I was in high school, um, where I got, I got a grade on my report card that came back and it, it made no sense. Like it was like a 56 on my report card. And I was like, I don't understand this at all. And so I just, I talked to my mom and, uh, and convinced her had my dad been there and I talked to my dad, it probably would have gone a little differently, but I just went to my mom <laughs> and, and I, and I said, Hey, I, I don't understand this. And rather than have me go and talk to the teacher about it or try to figure out what it was, she just wrote me a letter about like, wrote a letter to the teacher and blah, 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 explaining how this just didn't make any sense. And all that, like everything that I told her never got the other side of the story. And then, uh, all of a sudden my grade changed. And I was passing, everything was fine. And I thought to myself, oh yeah, that's because you did the wrong, like you, you missed X, Y, or Z. And I was right this whole time. And, and I looked back at it afterwards. I think I was, I barely joined the air force and I, I didn't understand a couple of the different things. It was like, Hey, why did I have my mom do this? Why did my mom even do that for me? Right. She should have <laughs> been like, Hey, no, we got to go figure this out together. Like you need to understand what's going on. And B, I didn't really know the true story. Like, did I actually miss assignments? Was there something missing? And to this day, I still don't know. I know that I wasn't pleased about that. But I think that that uh, the way I'm, I'm now interpreting that as a father is like, no, I, I need to make sure that my kids are able to face those things and able to go ask those questions. It's not run to mommy for help, um, which in a way, that's exactly what I did. I just ran to mommy for help and tried to, hey, can you fix this problem for me? Like, no, I need to teach you to face problems yourself. You're going to have them in life. Like, you're bound to have problems in life. Um, you know, and I, it's... Uh, uh, every, I'm not going to know what the problems are, but if I could teach you to think critically, if I could teach you to, to understand that you can make it through any problem, you know, our family motto, basically, it's not officially written down, but it's stay calm and work through the problem. Whatever the problem is, just stay calm and work through the problem. Um, and one of my business partners, uh, um, <laughs> he and I have both been through some stuff. Where we're like, hey, ain't nobody dying today, right? Like, there's <laughs> no problem here today where somebody's getting shot at. I got no bullets flying over my head. Is nobody going to die today? We could figure this out, right? I mean, so um, it, it's extremely important to me to make sure that my kids know that, that regardless, I'm always there for them, right? Yeah. I'm, I will always be there for them. But it doesn't mean you can't try to figure something out yourself. Um, and man, what I don't know. That's that's a difficult. Uh, it's a difficult thing to balance too. Well, and I struggle because you know I sit here all day, right? I'm in the chair, mm-hmm. 
not, not, not literally, but you know, people just bring me problems and I'm so programmed yep. to solve them immediately. Yep. Okay. And you know, my brain's like, okay, before you even finish telling me your problem, I'm like, here's your solution. And yep. you just can't be that way with your kids. And yep. Or your yeah. wife, by or the way. Wife. Yes, yes. Very important. Very important. Very important. Um, but yeah, and, and sometimes it is with your kids. You just want to say, well, just do this, this, and this, this, this. You know, it's talking to them and talking through the problem and how do you want to handle it? Or is it worth getting mad about? You, maybe they're mad about the way a, 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 mm-hmm. a peer treated them or something. Or, you know, are they being a good friend? Is it reciprocal? Like, you know, let's just talk through it and, and, walk through and then you know ultimately you know hopefully you've helped them lead themselves to their own decision and mm-hmm. you know you don't want to make yeah. the decision for them <laughs> yeah i mean even if i really want to i won't right? so. <laughs> well even this morning we were doing a spelling test with with my oldest and uh um i think the word was uh, i remember it's like accountability or something um uh, but you know, he, he misspelled one of the words and I can't remember what it was, uh, characteristic, I think it was characteristic. Um, and he was like broken over missing this word. And I'm thinking to myself, what, what have I, like, I, Hey, I think some of that came from school. Cause he had a lot of pressure in school to make sure that he was doing really, really well. Um, and I'm thinking to myself, man, I got to figure out how to be able to, to work through those, to not make every misspelling word be a terrible thing or every mm-hmm. missed problem be it. They're like, no, this is an opportunity for you to learn. This is an opportunity for you to grow opportunity to get better and not and like just let the stress go and i haven't quite mastered that down yet i'm still trying to figure that out on on how i can communicate better with with him especially at the moment um to not take all this on his shoulders all the time like the you know the the world is falling just because of whatever thing going wrong you know it happens in golf too right you get you miss you get one bad shot and it turns into one bad hole one bad hole turns into one bad round and it's like well like how do we work through this together as a team and i man i uh I'm a problem solver and I'm just like, this is just what you have to do. And like, that is not helpful. <laughs> well, it's, it, it's hard to let your children fail once in a while. Yeah. Right. Like it doesn't feel good, but it's okay to have adversity. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I always try to find the good and, you know, the gap in the gain, right? Like, Hey, you know, you know, it's, it's okay. Our situation, let's have a little gratitude, you know, our situation, whether it's a uh, soccer or, you know, we're doing okay here. Like you have to play a lot and, and, you know, just cause they didn't play a hundred percent of the game doesn't make it bad. Mm-hmm. You know, it's okay. There's still, you know, there's, there's, we're, we're, we're doing okay. Right. Like it doesn't have to be perfect. And, and, you know, we're not keeping score. You know, the scorecard thing is crazy that kids do, right? Like he gets so-and-so and I get this and this, it's like teaching them not to keep the scorecard, right? Like life yeah. isn't perfect. Life does, isn't always fair. And, and, you know, we keep the scorecard between husband and wife. Sometimes it's I'm like, what mm-hmm. are we doing? Like yeah. that doesn't help yeah. anything. And teaching the kids not to keep the scorecard. It's not even Steven all the time. And, you know, sometimes my, the, the, the even Steven in the family was always tough, you know, and mm-hmm. it doesn't always, it isn't, life isn't always fair. And it's okay to teach your kids that because it isn't. Yeah. Ain't that the truth? <laughs> there's a, there's a friend of ours. She always tells her kids, uh, fair is what you pay to get on the bus. That's the yep. only fare that we have, right? That's what you pay to get on the bus. Um, but you made me take a note. I got to read The Gap in the Gain again. Like, I, I just have to get back into that. That's such a phenomenal book. Um, and I want to, I, they should make a Gap in the Gain for kids. And, and maybe I should just reach out to them, write it for them. Because what a phenomenal book that is. That uh, Totally. Um, 
Ah, uh, I love it. So if anybody's listening has not listened to the gap in the gain, requ- I can't remember who wrote it. Um, I think it was, it's, uh, what, you know, I, I that said that ben thing Hardy about the, Ben Hardy. Yeah. Yeah. Ben, ben Hardy, Hardy and, and somebody. Yeah. Like I, I yeah. sometimes I just go into audible and put on the gap in the gain and listen to a couple chapters, right? Like yeah. just to touch back into, you know, a little flyby into it just to get a little, a little bit. Cause it's so good to put that perspective into your life. And, mm-hmm. you know, I have that, I, I talk about the gap in the game with the kids, you know, just like, let's live in, let's live, you know, in the game. We, we, we're, we're all right, yeah. man. It's all right. Yeah. And I think, so I'm pondering through right now with, with golf, with my son, right. And the, the distance that he's made and how much better he is now at golf. Um, and he doesn't see it because it, he sees himself every week, right? It's the same thing. Like if you see, you know, if, if you have the puppy in your house growing up, you don't see necessarily the massive changes, but somebody comes to your house two weeks later and they're like, dude, your puppy is huge. Right. So <laughs> I, I get to see it and go, wow, you've made a, a, a massive, uh, a massive gain in your golf game. Um, I think, I, I think one thing I need to do is take better notes of what he's doing. Like, Hey, this is how far you've been driving and this is what you've been doing. And this is what, you know, this is how many pars you got and this is how many bogeys you had. And that way, uh, he can hopefully see the gain a little bit more um than just the gap of where you know where he wants to be but um, you got any like hmm. uh if you just shoot a couple little videos and if you string together a couple of those videos maybe yeah. of him doing that might be really powerful to be like yeah. look at look at what you look at that yeah that's valid yeah for sure and because i've got lots of those so string together a um, couple of those you know that might be a, a real cool thing for him to visualize and see like wow yeah taking a solid note on that one um, all right. Well, uh, I want to, I, you mentioned a couple things. I think we hit a majority of the ones that you said you definitely wanted to chat about, but, um, what other things do you want to kind of uh, jump into that maybe we haven't mentioned or, um, any questions you might have for me or anything that, uh, that you want to, that you want to cover before we wrap it up? Well, I think one of the things that's sort of top of mind for me lately is, you know, is as I turn 54, if you will, and, and mature and think about you know, in my life and what I want to do and where I want to go and what I want to do when I grow up, so to speak, is, you know, spending a lot of time thinking about, you know, our structure within the family and how does it move to the next generation and how do I transfer this? And so I've been mm-hmm. spending a lot of time looking at our sort of family org chart to figure out, you know, how do I responsibly pass this, this knowledge or this business along or you know, I spend a lot of time. That's why I love the three generations of real estate people really is, is kind of fun. I, I sort of call it, uh, you know, like four dimensional chess, right? Like, mm-hmm. okay, when I look at a real estate deal, okay, how do I structure this? Can there, what are the tax benefits? How do we put the ownership so all three generations can benefit? How do we, you know, what's the financing? What's the, the leverage? Do we make this investment outside of the estate? Do we start a trust? You know, I like to think about all of this stuff with a, the estate planning lens and what's the long, long-term play. So, mm-hmm. you know, those are some of the stuff that, that are, are really rewarding for me when I think about family business and, and, and family structure and multi-generational and, you know, do we hold it for the long time or do we do, do a holding company? So really been yeah. spending a lot of time thinking about the the long the long play so i think there's a uh, it's the book the rockefeller way i yeah. think is what it's called so that one's a good one there was another one let's see if i could see it back here i 
Yeah, uh, more than money. That's another one. I don't know if you've read that or not yet. Um, Who, who's the author on that? Uh, Michael Cole. Yeah, I, when I uh, in Dallas a couple years ago, he was one of the uh, at one of the uh, a GoBundance event in Dallas. He was yeah. one of the speakers, and I have that book on my desk at home. That is a great book. There you go. I well, you need to read it if you haven't. Okay, yeah. And anybody yeah. who hasn't, like, I mean, the subtitle is a guide to sustaining wealth and preserving the family, right? Um, and I, if I recall correctly, he he goes through a bunch of studies about, um, you know, he he he's dealt with a lot of family wealth in various different places, um, and he kind of shows you breaks down like what what successful families have done versus what non-successful families have done and uh um and how to how to kind of build that that into your life i need to read that again um that's another one i need to put back on my list again but <laughs> yeah I've i got was it, just held oh go ahead i've got it sitting there and it's been sitting there and i haven't picked it up and i need to thank you for reminding me it's literally the, the top book on my desk at home and i well, need to like so my wife said it, it there and i i gotta pull it back out again but i i remember when when i saw him speak he was giving out those books and I went over and I talked to him for a while afterwards. And so that, you know, that, that's one of the reasons that got me into GoBundance and, and just thinking mm -hmm. about how does this get passed along and how do I do it responsibly? So that's really been a big, important thing. And as my kids get older and, you know, I mean, how do I educate them? How do I yeah. uh, pass this along and how can they be responsible? And, and, you know, so those are a lot of things and, and tax strategies and, that's why I just love the the multifamily real estate world because there's so many yeah. crazy undulations of this. And so, you know, big, big topic. And that's why my mother was here earlier as I was laying out, hey, this is the, fa the family structure that I see because as she gets older, she's concerned about, am I going to have enough money? But yeah, I know. I know what your personal yeah. financial statement is. You're good. <laughs> You're, You're gonna super be okay. good. Yes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but, but to her, you know, she doesn't feel that that way. And so, it's putting the structure around the family that can take care of a, a, an 83-year-old father with cancer, an 80-year-old mother, you mm -hmm. know, whose whose mind is maybe not as sharp as it was, to to a 62-year-old brother, to a 12-year-old uh, son or grandkid, you know. So yeah. I spent a lot of time thinking about that. How does this work? How does everybody, you know, how does it go forward and not give it all to the government, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, so yeah, I spend sure. a lot, a lot of time on behalf of the family. And then how, do, how does the person sort of at the center of this wheel uh, pay for the wheel? Because it can't mm -hmm. all be even Steven because uh, everyone has their, their role. But um, so just trying to implement those things. And again, that's what I was talking with my mother about to say, hey, I feel strongly that this structure, uh, we use a fractional CFO that's, that works in the businesses as well mm -hmm. as needs to work on the family. So spending a lot of time uh, lately and the, the past couple of years thinking about that and what's it look like around us for the next 15 years or 20 years. Right. Yeah. So, uh, you know, doing a lot of that. So that's, that's yeah. a big part of these days. I like in there. Yeah. And I, I keep telling myself that I need to uh, work on that anyways. Cause like in the military way, I always had this, like, if you get hit by a bus tomorrow, <laughs> like, somebody's got to be somebody a somebody's going to fill my shoes right in the military especially like that my job's going to get done right but if i get hit by a bus tomorrow are they going to know what to do right so the same thing with my family if i get hit by a bus tomorrow are they already taken care of is this stuff already in place and i think that's part i mean we get so focused on doing stuff for the business that we tend to and i'm, I'm saying we just so that mm -hmm. i don't specifically talk to myself and feel bad about myself but uh, <laughs> th that we we tend to forget that we need to prepare our our family the same way right to make sure that our family is taken care of if i get hit by a bus 
Like, sure, I've got all the SOPs in the business, but does my does my wife even know where our investments are? Do they even have a clue what's going on in these things? Do, you know, are my kids going to be taken care of in, in X, Y, or Z way? Like, uh, is my insurance policy still set up? Is it lapsed? Like, having all of that set up, and man, what an exhausting time that is. Um, but I think that's one of the reasons that a lot of people avoid it, because they just don't want to, I'm never going to die. I don't need to look over there, you know? So, speaking of yeah, looking well, over talk, there, my oldest. Don't, don't talk about my father that way. <laughs> he, he is uh, uh he he is invincible he thinks he's invincible he's still going and and you know sometimes he uh takes planning a little bit different than me yeah so just have yeah and that's one of those yeah my oh, come here bud come say hello i warned you we're you know that's all right there he is yeah so there's there's the golfer yeah how's here, it going here, he said how's it going good good i've been hearing about your golf game since you've been Doing really well. Do you think you've been doing really well? Yeah. Do you actually think you've been doing really well? Mm-hmm. Good. Good to hear. Good. Well, glad Solid. you get to enjoy that with your dad. It's fun. Well, he golfs way more than I do now. It's ridiculous. <laughs> That's awesome. Way more than I do. He's on the golf course a ton. Huh, buddy? Awesome. Yeah, you should be in the backyard right now playing golf. What the heck? You bum. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, but anyways, um, I yeah. think it was a, uh, a great, great time to uh, natural pause to, to stand, stop anyways. But it was sure. awesome to have you on, Nate. Thank you yeah. so very, very much for jumping on. It was great to chat with you. Um, if anybody wants to get a hold of you, maybe they want to invest with you. Maybe they want to learn a little bit more about you. What's the best way for people to reach out to you? Yeah, you, I've got a, a personal website that talks a little bit about me. It's at natefisher.net. Pretty simple, natefisher.net, um, awesome. or you can you can hit me on LinkedIn. But yeah, natefisher.net or Peak Ten Group, learn about me. So love to chat. You know, I like to uh, think that um, I love to talk to thirty five year old Nates out there, right? Like, mm-hmm. what can I instill? What can I help you out with? Maybe you got a real estate deal that's a little bit challenging. Uh, love to love to talk with you about it. Maybe give you a different perspective. I know I do that for myself. Call up my buddies. I'm here to help you out. That's awesome. Well, thank you again so much, Nate, for jumping Thanks, on. Thanks, Adam. It was awesome to uh, to learn with you, grow uh, grow from what you're talking about, uh, give me some it. better ideas to bring bring to this guy. Now you and I have to go read the gap and the gain together. Um, so good luck. <laughs> Another book coming in. Baby gap but, and uh, gain. <laughs> exactly. Maybe we'll write a new one together. But. Uh, uh, but thank you again so very much, Nate. Um, to everyone out there, thank you very much for listening. It's thank greatly you. appreciated. If you can, uh, like, subscribe, do all those things that I'm supposed to say at the end of podcasts, and I don't. Um, but uh, uh, thank you again very much, and we will see appreciate everybody it. on the next episode. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the Biz Dad Podcast. We hope you found some value in your time here with us, and we look forward to bringing you the next episode. If you've enjoyed today's show, please subscribe and share so you and your friends won't miss our upcoming episodes. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Rumble, where we continue these discussions and share more valuable content. Be the dad you know you need to be and run your business in a way you're proud to share with your kids. Keep crushing it.